Hey y'all and welcome back to Hawk Off the Press. I'm Leah Van. I am your Gazette beat writer for the Iowa Hawkeyes and today I'm joined by the Gazette beat writer for the Iowa State Cyclones, Ben Visser. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. So something interesting that our readers probably don't know is that we met at the Drake Relays a couple of years yeah. ago and yep. Jeff Linder, our very own, was the guy that kind of showed us around. <laughs> he absolutely was. I think it was both of our first relays. And without that and without his guidance, I would have no idea where to go or what to do. So shout out to Jeff Linder. Yeah, shout out to Jeff Linder because it was, yeah, I remember showing up. And that was funny because I think you're also, you are also a science major. Um, I was a mechanical engineering major. Yep. So we both decided let's do the sports journalism <laughs> thing despite the fact that we studied something that probably could make us a lot more money. Yeah. Yeah. But Hey, if you love what you do, that was my whole thing. I, I, I reached my wits into mechanical engineering. It's like, this is not what I want to be doing. And I thought about what I wanted to do most. And that was, I love sports and that's how I ended up here. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think it's hilarious how the Gazette now has two science minded sports writers covering rival teams. Absolutely. It's definitely, I don't think many newspapers can boast that. No, no. So subscribe to the Gazette. Yeah. Absolutely. We're pitch that. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben, um, yeah, I'm curious, you know, Iowa state had kind of this surprisingly slow start against you and I, uh, what did you see this weekend and, um, did you find it concerning or is this kind of just characteristically Iowa state? It's at this point, I think it's characteristically Iowa State. I mean, even Matt Campbell today at his press conference, someone asked him about that. And he's like, my wife asked me the same question when I got home. She was <laughs> like, when are we going to start getting these fast starts going? Like, why are we only, uh, you and I is a really good team. I'm not trying to take that away from him. But when are we going to start beating these FCS teams and lower tier teams by more than a touchdown or a touchdown, essentially? So um, I thought it was funny that even Matt Campbell's wife was like, Hey, come on, man, let's get going. Let's get out of the gates faster. So I think at this point it is what it is. Um, and I think when you say slow start, that only paints half the picture because the defense was outstanding. Um, the defense was great. Iowa state didn't allow a point in the second half. The one touchdown you and I did get on that drive, Will McDonald, the nation's leading sack person from last year didn't sack Will McElvain, Will McElvain. He had him in his grasp and Will got out, got a first down. And then I think it was two plays later, Mike Rose missed a tackle. And on that tackle, you and I are on that play on that missed tackle. That's the one that you and I scored their touchdown on. So um, those two players aren't going to miss those two plays too often on the same drive. So um, on one hand, uh, Iowa State defense was fantastic. So they didn't have a slow start. The offense though, Definitely a slow start. I think Brees Hall, he said today that it was the worst game he's had in his career. He only had 69 yards, which for most running backs is a pretty good day, but not for Brees Hall. Brees Hall is used to getting 150 yards. Um, Brock Purdy was efficient, but he didn't. He probably could have taken over the game more once you and I started stacking the box against Brees Hall to stop the run. I think part of that was play calling. And part of that was offensive coordinator Tom Manning just saying, all right, Let's just keep going to Brees. Let's keep doing what we know how to do. Eventually, he'll break one off. He never did. So I think there's a little, there's a combination of a lot of things about why the offense wasn't quite where it's supposed to be. And then you throw in Charlie Kolar and All-American tight end being hurt, and that just kind of, a lot of wrinkles in the fold. 
Right. Is Charlie going to be back in the game this week? Yep. So Charlie went through warmups before the UNI game, which sparked a lot of conversations. Is, is he going to play? He ended up not playing. Matt Campbell said he's really close. Matt Campbell also said today that he did practice Monday. They didn't have practice on Tuesday by the time we had the um, press conference. I assume he practiced today. I don't know that for sure. My assumption is he will play for Iowa against the Iowa game. So um, that's the that's going to be a big lift for Iowa State for sure. Yeah, I mean, and some of these names that you were mentioning actually came up in Iowa's press conference today. As Rose is one of them. Um, I think the guy you mentioned being the sack leader, McDonald, yep. was another yep. um, points of interest for yeah. Iowa for sure. And the tight ends, of course, like a very deep class on your side. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I've only seen the first half of the Iowa State UNI game, and I will say the defense was missing a lot of tackles. Was that something yeah. that was brought up today? It wasn't brought up today. I think it was attributed to first game, first live, the bullets are flying. You're going to miss some tackles. Um, I don't think it's going to be a long term concern for Iowa State, but Iowa State does run a defense where if you miss a tackle, bad things can happen. And we saw that against you and I when they scored their touchdown. So um, I don't think it's going to be a long-term concern, but I mean, you are getting a step up in uh, talent here facing Iowa. So your tackling is going to have to be a little bit crisper for sure. Yeah. And let's talk about that defense. Uh, Iowa state runs this like three, three, five scheme, basically putting their best players in the best position to maximize their strengths, which is super interesting. I was reading a little bit about it. Can you elaborate on what that entails and how that looks? Yeah. So it all came about, um, I know you're a Texas girl. Mm-hmm. It all came about 2017 when Iowa state lost to Texas. Um, it was a game, Iowa state, Matt Campbell, John Haycock felt they should have won, but the defense didn't make enough plays. Wait, 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 so, hold on. I was at this game. Is this the one in Ames when Shane yeah, Michelle was playing quarterback? That's correct. Yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Continue. <laughs> so, um, then the next week I was at a bye week and then John Haycock and Matt Campbell sat down. They're like, all right, we're going to throw away everything we know. John Haycock always ran a four, two, five defense. And he's like, all right, how do we best put our players in a position to attack or stop big 12 offenses, these spread offenses where they're just trying to get as much speed and space as possible. So they took out a lineman and instead of going with a three, four, they took out a linebacker. And instead of adding a nickel, which is what most of the time happens in a three, three, five, they added a third safety, a middle safety. So they have their field side safety, which is the side with all the space. They have their boundary side safety, which is the side closest to the boundary. And they added a middle safety that kind of, in some respects, plays a robber. In some respects, he does play a nickel. Um, in some respects, when Iowa State does a cover three, he drops back into coverage at that cover three spot. So um, they do a lot of different things with that middle safety. And that's kind of the biggest difference between Iowa, the way Iowa State runs a 3-3-5 and the way other teams do. And other teams are starting to adopt this because Matt Campbell was actually asked about it today. Um, I think it was two years ago, Brent Venables, the Clemson offensive coordinator, came to Ames and to talk to John Haycock about implementing that at Clemson. Now you see Clemson running a similar defense. And then actually Kirk Herbstreet, uh, during the Ole Miss game this last weekend, he said that DJ Durkin, the Ole Miss um, defensive coordinator, came to Ames this offseason to talk with um, John Haycock about, hey, what are you doing defensively that's so successful? So I don't think John Haycock meant to do it, but he kind of became 
renowned for an innovative defense and innovative defensive style. And um, yeah, it's really interesting how Ames, Iowa has become the hub of slowing down spread offenses. Yeah. And it was actually brought up today in Kirk Ferris's press conference. He's like, he kind of threw some slight shade at the big 12. He was like, you know, <laughs> it's not exactly a conference known for defense, but Iowa state though, you know, and uh, I find that, I find that really interesting. And the fact that it's also being used in the SCC, I mean, those are similar offenses now, yeah. but you're going up against an Iowa offense. Does yeah. that change this scheme at all? I don't think it changes the scheme and how they run it. I think it'll change the different things they do within it. Um, because you're right. Iowa does. They're not a spread offense. They have no problem lining up under center and doing zone right, zone left, zone right, zone right again. So they have no problem doing that, lining up with multiple tight ends, something the Big 12 besides Iowa State also doesn't do. Iowa State doesn't see a lot of 12 personnel or especially 13 personnel. So, um, no, Iowa's going to present some challenges for Iowa State just because they don't run that spread offense. I think they're going to have to do – Iowa State's going to have to do some different things within their defense to make sure – every blocker is accounted for in the box because most of the time Iowa state likes to have just four or five people in the box. They, if they're completely happy having those outside linebackers outside the box and just have that middle linebacker be the fourth person in the box, you can't do that. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against Iowa. I think at minimum, they're going to have to have six in the box. At times I could see that star safety that I was talking about earlier. I could see them coming up and having a seventh person in the box. If Iowa really starts going on their zones, um, and that gets rolling for them. So I could see different things happening. I wouldn't expect to see a four-man front. Um, they might try it in a goal line situation, obviously, but I wouldn't expect on a first and 10 Iowa State to trot out four defensive linemen or anything like that. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, and because when it comes to the run, I was like, you've got to bring some of those guys up closer in the box. And like, because, I mean, Iowa's a huge running team, especially yeah. with Tyler Goodson. And you've got a Tyler Goodson, Brees Hall matchup, you know, two guys on the Doak Walker watch list. Um, and even Tyler Goodson said today, he's like, oh, well, their defense isn't exactly, you know, the same that they faced against Indiana, right? Indiana was very much like four-man front. This is going to be aggressive. We're going to blitz a lot. This is different. So is I is that when you're talking about, you know, the changes within the system or like, you know, the, the, the little adjustments, is that, does it mean like blitzing and stuff? Or is it, you just said like bringing up that star player and that star player that people don't know is that cornerback slash safety slash linebacker guy. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> He's a shame young. He's one of the hardest hitter in the big 12. Um, yeah. I, it's interesting that you bring up blitzing because John Haycock sent more blitzes against you and I than I remember him sending. And he's not a guy who sends blitzes, but he actually sent a few against you and I, which definitely piqued my interest. It's like, that's not something he's done in the past. And they were successful for the most part. Um, one of them, Will McDonald went completely unblocked to the quarterback to get a sack. So um, I don't know how you forget to block Will McDonald, but it happened on that play. So his blitzes worked in that situation. Those were pass blitzes though. I don't remember seeing a run blitz necessarily against you and I. Um, I think it's just going to be more of, base defense this is what John Haycock does he runs his base defense in the first half he sees how offenses are trying to attack it and then he makes his second half adjustments based on what he saw in the first half and um there's a stat that 
in the last six games, Iowa State's only allowed 13 second-half points in those six games combined, which is just absurd. That counts Oklahoma. That counts Texas. Um, it counts those Big 12 powers, um, explosive offenses. So the fact that they've only given up 13 second-half points last six games is really impressive. So I think the second half, if Iowa State can – or if Iowa can attack early and get points on the board in the first half, they're going to set themselves up for success. If they only get 10 points in the first half, it could be interesting. I think Iowa will score in the second half. I don't think they're going to be shut out in the second half. But if Iowa wants to have success, they're going to have to score early, I think. It's interesting how both of these teams are known for defense in different conferences. And then there's also Iowa has not allowed in has not allowed, I think it's 23 games to have like their opponents score over 25 points. Mm -hmm. And that's the most in the whole entire out of all the power five schools. And then you've got an Iowa state defense. That's a newer thing, but it's working. And Iowa is not exactly known to have an explosive offense. And you're playing against a team that is used to playing the most explosive offenses. So Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's to me, that's, what's intriguing. I do want to talk about Iowa state's offense though. Brock Purdy, obviously a veteran in him. We've got Brees Hall. We got Xavier Hutchinson. So give me a little bit of a picture of what fans can expect from Iowa state's offense. Well, and I'm going to go back a little bit to answer this question. Um, you brought up both Iowa and Iowa state being known for defenses. You brought up earlier that both are known for running the ball and being a ball possession team more than anything else. I'm not sure how much Iowa and Iowa State fans are going to like hearing this, but the philosophies of Matt Campbell and Kirk Ferentz are very, very similar. They want to do the exact same things on the football field. They go about it in a little bit different way, but they want to establish the run and they want their defense to carry them home. Those, they just, they love that grinded out football. It gets their blood going for them. So to answer your question about Iowa State's offense, they want to establish the run early. They want to get Brees Hall going. They want him getting five yards of carry, six yards of carry early in the game, maybe set up a 20-yard run late when maybe if Iowa's defense starts getting a little bit gassed with the ground and pound game. And then what you saw against I is two times Iowa State's two biggest pass plays were off of play action, which makes a ton of sense. Um, I would see, I would guess we see that more than twice this time against Iowa. I think Iowa State was holding their cards a little bit close to their vest about what they're going to show. I would expect to see after Brees Hall gets three or four straight runs, play action, see if you can get a deep shot. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson, like you mentioned him, um, he had a 37-yard reception against UNI off play action. Tariq Milton had a 34-yard reception off play action. I would expect to see a little bit more play action. I met, um, there's a stat last year that um, Iowa State, Brock Purdy, had one of the higher passer ratings in all of college football off of play action. And when you have a running back like Brees Hall, it makes a ton of sense. So I would expect to see a little bit more play action. If Charlie Kolar plays, which I'm assuming he's going to, you're going to see more passes to tight ends. Last week, only one tight end caught a pass. That was Jared Russ, the third string tight end, who's known more for blocking than pass catching. So you're going to see more involvement in the tight ends um, with Charlie Kolar. I think they'll throw Chase a ball. Um, he didn't get he didn't get any targets last game. So um, you're going to see run the ball first. And then see what you can get off of that little pop passes to tight ends, deep shots to wide receivers. And it's, it'll be interesting to see what the execution looks like because last week against you and I, it wasn't always there. Right. 
Well, what I did notice about Brock Purdy, he's a hard guy to take down. Yeah. I mean, I saw him break like four or five tackles on one of these plays and okay. Yeah. You and I, whatever, but still, I mean, is he that big of a dude? Am I like hallucinating? He's he got bigger in the offseason. Everyone has said that strength and conditioning coach Dave Andrews said he looks like a completely different person. Brock is listed at six two. I think that's generous. As a person who's six foot four, he's he's more than two inches shorter than I am. Um, <laughs> but he's listed at 220, which is the same weight as Brees Hall. Right. Um, he does have some more thickness to him. He's more built this year for sure. And one thing that Xavier Hutchinson said was Brock Purdy's deep ball is looking as good as ever. So I think he does have more mass. He does have more strength. I guess translated to arm strength a little bit too. But like you said, he did evade a few sacks there that um, a a more normal quarterback would have went down. I want to talk in more general terms about your media day today. I mean, ours was full of like, what does this rivalry mean to you? Blah, 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 you know, hostile environment. If I, if I could take a drink for like every time I heard hostile environment, I would be on the floor right now. We'd be passed out right now. Yeah. I mean, it would just not be good. So I'm curious what was said today. Any, any good trash talk? No elite trash talk. Um, Randy Peterson of the Des Moines register was asking pretty much every player um, with realignment going on. What happens if this game doesn't exist in five years or four years or whenever realignment really takes place? Right. And Mike Rose, who is from Ohio, not from Iowa, doesn't have that many ties besides going to Iowa State. He's like, it sucked. We love to play those guys. We love to battle those guys. Um, We love to go after them and get after them. They enjoy it, even if they don't like to say it. Um, So, no, that was it wasn't really even trash talk. It was just more of a respect thing like hey this is a fun game to play it's what college football is supposed to be it's great rivalries within state and it's an in-state rivalry that's unique because it's in two different conferences so um that would be unfortunate but to your point of how many questions about the the Cyhawk and what's it mean to you Matt Campbell was asked you've never beat Iowa does that come <laughs> up in conversations with fans which he went like what are you what was that question about so uh, yeah, he, he fielded plenty of questions about the Cyhawk rivalry, what he's learned it's met because he's also an Ohio guy. What have you learned that it's met to the state of Iowa as you're getting into, um, being an Iowan now or whatever, however you want to phrase that. Um, even Colin Newell, who's from Ames, he's an Ames kid who grew up rooting for Iowa state. He didn't really give anything. He's like, yeah, it's another game on the schedule and we're just ready to play. I was like, come on, buddy. You grew up in this rivalry. Come on. Be fun. You know, be fun. Uh, I I loved Goodson's quote. That was incredible. That was (laughs) awesome. So no, we didn't get any of that. Unfortunately. Goodson was not holding back today. Good for him. That's how it should be. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what got into him. Like, I don't know. It was, it was, it was good. It was good. I was, I was very surprised. But, you know, we have we have a kid from Ames on Iowa's team, Joe Evans. Uh, Caleb Shudak's dad kicked for Iowa State. Nothing. Just respect. Yeah. Come on, y'all. Maybe Iowa's is a hostile environment. Yeah. So, I don't know. Did you, you grew up in Iowa, right, Ben? I grew up in South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, my, well, my parents are both from Iowa. So, okay. I have a lot of ties to Iowa. Did you grow up rooting for Iowa State or were you a North Dakota, South Dakota, like Dakota fan? 
Nope. I grew up, my dad went to Iowa state. So he raised me on the cyclones, which makes sense. Um, so yeah. So well, is when it... I was growing up, South Dakota and South Dakota state, they weren't division one, they were division two when I was growing up. True. So there was really no point in rooting for them. When I grew up, everyone was a Nebraska fan mm. um, it, from the, from Sioux Falls. And now that has changed. Now it's more South Dakota, South Dakota State. And, but yeah, sorry. Continue. No, I'm curious because from your perspective, you grew up on Iowa State fan. You're an Iowa State alum. What does this rivalry mean to you, man? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a beat writer, but... uh. Yeah, I got to I mean, keep you grew my... up watching this. You grew up watching this. I did a picture like I, I don't I've never experienced this before. Sure. I mean, I had friends growing up, like I said, a lot of them Nebraska fans. So that was that was a big rivalry. Iowa State, Nebraska had no problem trash talking with them because the, by the time I was growing up, Nebraska had fallen from grace. They were no longer national championship team. They were middle of the road or top end Big 12 North with the Kansas States and every now and again, Iowa state would knock them off. So we had fun with that. I did know a few Iowa fans. Um, and it was just fun to trash talk because back when I was growing up, I, it was, it was very split between Iowa state wins and Iowa wins and it go back and forth. And it was, it was fun. My brother-in-law is a huge, he's a diehard Iowa fan. He went to Iowa medical school. Um, and my parents, they can't watch games with him. because he just gets so amped up and so riled up and he just cheers so openly for Iowa that they just they they grab onto their seats and like they dig their nails into the armrests and they have a harder time with it um (laughs) luckily I went into journalism so I have a and it, it is beneficial I'm able to take a step back and I don't mind when people root for other teams that's not a big deal to me I understand the passion behind it I understand the intensity and it adds a layer for me and I don't have a problem with even if I don't root for that team or even if I didn't grow up rooting for that team I understand the passion behind it so I actually I kind of like the fact now that I can take a step back take the cyclone rose-colored glasses off and enjoy a rivalry for what it is and what it should be yeah and for me it's all about the stories it's all about the the, the level of game and I'm excited to see like a good matchup and you know it's interesting I feel like when you become, when you get more and more into this industry, it's, it's like harder to be like a hopeful fan. Like I have been hundred percent. I have become the most critical fan of both Texas and like the Cowboys. I mean, arguably like I'd probably be the most pessimistic Texas writer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like even when I think of professional teams, diehard twins fan, I love the Minnesota twins for baseball. Even in bad seasons, I'd watch every single game. I was invested emotionally, physically. This season, twins are terrible. It's not, it doesn't affect, losses don't affect me emotionally anymore, which I absolutely love. I love the fact that I can watch a game and sure, it'll be disappointing for a little bit, but it's not going to ruin my week, which before it would negatively affect my mood for a while. I won't lie. I'm still very emotionally invested, even though I am like, even though I am like, Oh, like I knew Texas would lose this game or, Oh, I know the Cowboys are going to lose this game. doesn't mean I'm not mad. Right. Like I still right. like, I, my heart's still in it. I'm still hopeful. Like it's like being a hopeless romantic, except about your like teams. Right. Like you just sure. like, you know, this isn't going to be real, but you still kind of hope it is, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, 
I'm so glad that you came on this podcast, Ben. Absolutely. Um, My pleasure. A lot of fun. You know, it's always, it's, it's good that we have like two people. This is like the one time we can do this, like Gazette, like get together. 100%. It's wonderful. Thank God for Zoom that came across, well, the circumstances around it, not ideal, but I'm glad we have it. Glad we can do these sorts of things. Incredible podcast name, Hawk Off the Press. Thank you. Perfect. I love it. So um, yeah, a lot of fun for sure. I will say, um, I think, I think I am curious. So best beer in Ames. What is it? Local beer. Yeah. Putting you on the so, spot here. Yeah. I had a lot of friends in college who were, they called themselves beer tenders because this is a, a craft beer place. They didn't serve hard alcohol. So it wasn't, they weren't bartenders. They were beer tenders. Torrent Brewing Company, um, downtown Ames. They have something like mm, 24 odd craft brews. A lot of them, a lot of them are IPAs and I'm not a big IPA guy. So they lose, I think half of them are IPAs. So they lose me on half of them, but all the other ones pretty highly recommended. Like they got the Tornadic, highly recommended Tornadic. That one's good. Um, that would, yeah, that'd be my recommendation. Torrent Brewing Company, the Tornadic. It's funny that you mentioned that exact brewing company because that's exactly where I'm going on Friday with a friend Good of mine. Decision. Yeah. So um, maybe you'll have to join the party. Hey, <laughs> I'll probably be available. So yeah. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. And I'm sure all the Hawkeyes will enjoy the beer suggestion and, uh, you know, drink your town dry <laughs> uh, as yeah. Iowans tend to do. Yeah, um, combine the uh, drinking power of Iowa and Iowa State fans and there's not going to be a whole lot of alcohol left at that place. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, man. It's going to be a fun weekend. I'm excited. Will. I'm Absolutely. so glad college football is back. All Amen right. to that. All right, y'all. Well, remember, you can catch both of our coverage at thegazette.com. Ben Visser's got your Iowa State Cyclones. I've got your Iowa Hawkeyes, and thank you all for listening. Have a good one.